Matthew in chapter 16. When you have that, would you stand to your feet, please? And we're just going to read a couple of verses together. We are going to pick up after the passage in which the Lord Jesus questioned the disciples, saying, "Whom do ye say that men, uh, whom whom say ye that men say that? <clears throat> Never mind. You know what I'm talking about." Peter said, "Thou art the Christ." <laughs> uh, humble, it's humbling, you know, when you stumble over your own feet. Uh, so uh, Jesus said, um, "Blessed art thou, Simon Bar Jonah." Flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And then he makes the proclamation for the Roman Catholic Church. Of course, everyone knows that in verse 18. Yeah. Not. He said uh, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, referring to himself, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Aren't you glad that the church is built on Jesus and not on a man? Wow, we'd be in trouble if it was on Peter be in worse trouble if it was on me but uh, we're we're good folks because it's on Jesus he is the rock and so then uh, he begins to tell his disciples something and we're going to pick up that in verse 21 we'll read 21 22 23 and have a word of prayer together let's begin from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, help us tonight, Lord, to understand a concept, a principle that's, that's so simple, and yet maybe that's why we don't get it, because it's too simple. We look right past it. We look beyond this amazingly simple principle, and we say, okay, now we're... Where could the answer be? And it's under our noses all along. Lord, help us tonight to learn something about the cross that will affect us and give us victory in Jesus. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Please be seated. If I were to ask you what your opinion is of the value of the cross as far as salvation goes, you'd probably give me a similar answer. You'd say, well, without the cross, we can't have salvation because the Lord Jesus had to die on the cross for our sins. And um, you'd be right. You'd be absolutely right. Without the cross, we would not have a salvation. Uh, salvation uh, came about, um, it was more than just the death of the Savior. It was the, uh, uh, the, the punishing of him. Uh, the world poured out everything it had in vehemence and and horrible vengeance upon our lovely Savior. And they nailed him to the cross after they beat him and bruised him. They stripped him and nailed him there and set this cross up for all the world to see. And he was there for about six hours on the cross. You see, if salvation could have, could have come from, I don't know, uh, you say, well, it takes the... The blood of Jesus, the death of Jesus. Well, why don't we just cut his finger and then put a bullet in the head and there's his blood and there's his death. No, 
That wouldn't have worked. It would not have worked. This was the only way it could work. And I think that we all understand this concept that without the cross, there's, there's no salvation. So we, we see the value of that. We understand the value of that. But I wonder how many Christians know and understand that without the cross, we, we cannot live a sanctified, glorious Christian life. This same cross which held the Savior tight and fast for those six hours whilst He bled, whilst He prayed, whilst He was made sin for us who knew no sin. This same cross is now of further use in the Christian life. Now, you have your Bible open at Matthew 16. By the way, it's a good idea after we read Scripture, don't just close up your Bible and sit on it, but uh, keep it open. Matthew 16, we finished reading verse 23, but I'd like you to see verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him, what's that word? Deny himself and take up his, what? Cross. There it is there and follow me. Now, I'd like to suggest to you tonight something. You know, we Christians, we're not perfect. We're just forgiven. We know that. We understand that. But, um, boy, we make a few mistakes. And some of them are real dumb mistakes we make. Um, the Lord Jesus pointed out to us that the, uh, the, the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. That we are likened unto uh, lambs and sheep and the world is likened unto wolves and vultures and vipers and, you know, things like that. And so often we, um, we're gullible and we believe things and afterwards then we find out we've been lied to. So often that's the case. Um, the devil tries to take advantage of our weaknesses. But I'll tell you this tonight. There's one classic Christian mistake that we've been making for thousands of years. And here it is. We begin by faith and we continue by sight. In 2 Corinthians 5.7, the apostle wrote these words, for we walk by, what's the next word? Faith and not by, what's the next word? Sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. The idea is we're to live our lives here on earth by faith and not by sight. We're to live our lives on earth here according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. Now I'd like you to uh, look at several verses of Scripture with me tonight, and each one won't take very long, so we're not, we're not going to prolong this, but these are important. I'd like you to turn to the right and go to the book of Galatians. So right after 2 Corinthians, Galatians and chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Now I said to you a moment ago that the classic Christian problem is an age-old problem. We begin by faith and we continue by sight. In Galatians chapter 3, I'd like you to read out loud verse number 3. Read out loud with me, please. 
Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Now picture it with me. We understand the value of the cross. We understand what it means to receive Christ by faith, to repent of our sin and receive the Savior. We understand that and we do all that by faith. We get saved. Hallelujah. You know, our eyes are open. There's new joy in our heart, a spring in our step, a song in our lips. We're saved, saved, saved. Wonderful thing to be saved, part of God's family. We call each other brother and sister. And now we try to live the Christian life. And we go right back to the flesh. We go right back from, from faith. We go right back to sight. And somehow the devil's got us on this one. It's an age-old problem. And we've committed this boo-boo for a couple of thousand years. Um, we, we're not continuing how we began. We begun in the Spirit. We begun by faith. And we need to continue that way. And the central instrument is the cross. The cross is not only a value for your salvation. The cross is a value for your sanctification. The, the cross is a value for your victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. And any problem you're having in those, one of those three areas, with the world, with the flesh, or with the devil, you will get victory, but the victory is only through the cross. Don't give up on the cross. Don't abandon the cross. Don't lay down your cross. You need to take up your cross and keep following Him day by day. Some people have a mistaken idea of the cross. And someone says, Oh, I have poor eyesight. Oh, that's the cross I must bear. No, no, that's not your cross. Someone says, Oh, you know, I have bad habits. And uh, I have weaknesses of the flesh. And, uh, you know, when I see those fleshly things, sometimes I just can't help it. I just get involved. That's my cross I must bear. That's not your cross at all. You say, what is a cross? What is a cross? Is it just an, an emblem, an ornament that we put on the front of pulpits? Is it just a nice piece of jewelry that ladies hang from their earlobes or perhaps uh, uh, wear on a little chain around the neck? What is a cross? What is it? What was originally used for? Anyone know? What is it? One word. Death. It's death. What's an electric chair used for? Anyone know? Death. Death. What's a hangman's noose used for? Death. Death. That's what the cross is for. Well, I understand that without the cross I can't be saved, but I don't understand how is it that the cross, now this instrument of death, can give me life. How is it that this thing that, that, uh, uh, that I die on is able to give me victory? I mean, isn't that uh, succumbing to, uh, uh, to, to your circumstance when you die on the cross? Isn't that uh, being a victim of your circumstance? Isn't that being uh, uh, just a victim, not a victor? In the eyes of the world, you see they got it backwards. When Jesus died on the cross, the wicked man applauded, right? They didn't realize the power of the cross. And of course came three days later the resurrection from the dead. You wouldn't have a resurrection if you didn't have a cross. 
And uh, the cross is of extreme importance for you and for me tonight. And so we want to talk tonight about the value of the cross in the Christian life. Some people, when they, uh, they say, well, now, wait a minute, now Jesus died on the cross, I understand that, and it uh, had to happen, I understand that too, and it was terrible death, I understand that, but he only died the once, didn't he? Yes, that's true. Hebrews makes that very clear on a couple of occasions. He died once, once. Okay, then they say, if he died on the cross, horrible death, he died once, he's finished, right? He even said it, didn't he? Yes, he did. We admit that. He said it is finished. And then he died and he took him off the cross. He's not still on the cross, is he? No, Jesus is not still on the cross. That's true, that's true. Then their simple question is, what further need have we of the cross? The cross has done its work. Jesus took it and used it. He embraced it. He died for us. And he said, it is finished. So doesn't that mean the end? Why do we need the cross? Well, let's look at the earthly life of Jesus after the resurrection. What, what, what happened? What, what should we see? Let's take our Bible and turn back to John chapter 20. John in chapter 20. Here the Lord Jesus is risen from the dead. The cross is now days behind him. It is finished. Absolutely. Absolutely. But John chapter 20, and I'd like you to look please at verse 25 in reference to Thomas. The disciples get together. says, The other disciples therefore said unto him, that's unto Thomas, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Boy, those are serious wounds, huh? Having uh, holes, gaping holes the size of nails driven through the hands and uh, a gaping hole the size of a spearhead driven in the side. Those are pretty serious wounds. And I'd like you please to look at verse 27 now. Here are the words of Jesus after eight days. Jesus, and then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing. I want you to note the nail prints. I want you to note the wounded side. The effects of the cross were still on him. He didn't get those wounds before the cross, did he? No. Even standing before uh, Caiaphas, even standing before Pilate, even undergoing the scourging, he didn't get nail prints. He didn't get uh, a spear wound in his side. It was the cross that did that. Now we have the resurrected Jesus and what is prominent in his body? The marks of the cross. He's not done with the cross. That's the point. Usually when you're done with something, you close the book. Huh? You turn it off. You walk away. It's done. Imagine a woman whose husband passes away, and I don't mean to, to, to sound, you know, to sound uh, cruel, but imagine a woman whose husband passes away, and 
visitors come. She says, well, yeah, we had the funeral last week. Here's his hand. And here's his foot. And that would be pretty gruesome and ghastly. And we'd probably call the police. You know, you, the, she buried, buried her husband, but she kept a hand and kept a foot. Boy, she's, uh, she's not yet done with this uh, husband of hers. And I know that's a very, been very bad taste. I know that. But I say that just to overemphasize a point. That Jesus is not done with the cross. The cross was the most horrible, wretched, ghastly sight the world has ever seen. It's worse than anything, anything that we've seen. And our Savior, God the Creator, was whipped and nailed to this cross. And the spear was driven into his side. And it was a horrible, beyond description experience. And when he rose from the, the grave, he kept some of it. He kept some of the effects of the cross with him. That's why he said to Thomas, here they are. Go ahead, put your finger in those nail prints and put your hand here in this side and be not faithless, but be believing. You see, we walk by faith. Jesus said, don't be faithless. Use your faith. Walk by faith, not by sight. Now, let's look into heaven. Let's see what we see there. Let's go to Revelation. Let's go to Revelation. In chapter 5, we have... We just saw the Lord Jesus on earth and there's the effects of the cross still present with him after the resurrection. Now we're going to go to heaven, chapter 5 of Revelation. And here we have um, a throne and a book and an angel. And verse 3, No man in heaven or on earth or under, under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept, that's John, who wrote the book of Revelation, re referring to himself, and I, I wept much because no man was found. Verse 5. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood, what's the next word? Where's the lion? says, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. What do we see here? A lamb. That's not all. As it had been, what's the next word? Slain. Slain. There's the effects of the cross. There's Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. There he is right there. There he is in heaven. And the cross, the effects of the cross, the cross is still a part of Jesus on earth after the resurrection, in heaven. The cross is still part of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's look at the one of the greatest Christians and let's look at his preaching. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians and chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's look at the preaching of the Apostle Paul. Not the only Christian. I'm not sure if he's the greatest Christian, Many of us think he is, was, still is. But he's definitely up there. You've got to admit that and God surely used him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now look at this here, verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him, what's that next word? Crucified. There's his preaching. There's the place of the cross. Yes, but isn't, isn't, that, 
Isn't that talking about salvation? I believe obviously it was, but it's not just that. It doesn't stop there. The cross goes on. The effects of the cross go right into the Christian life. And folks, ladies and gentlemen, Christian brothers and sisters, this is where the devil's getting us. Because we're walking by sight, not by faith. We started by faith, we started in the spirit, but then we revert back to sight. We revert back to the flesh. We're not walking according to the spirit. We're not walking according to faith. We're not embracing the cross. Do you remember the time you got saved? Do you remember the day, the hour, or at least the month or the year when you got saved? you remember that? It ought ought to be, I think it ought to be a, a real big experience in your life. It ought to be something that you you look back to with fond and great memories the day you got saved, born again, transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You had your eyes opened. Your name was written down in the Lamb's book of life and on and on the descriptions go that day you were born again. You were born again because you came to the cross. You were born again because by faith you came to Jesus, nailed to the cross for you. You asked His forgiveness and asked Him to come into your heart and be your Lord and your Savior. And you received Christ somehow and by prayer and you got saved. And, and wow, your life's just turned around and brand new life. You were born again that glorious day. Well, that same cross that helped you get born again is there to help you overcome the world, flesh, and the devil. And this is why we're having struggles. This is why we live one way in church and another way at home. This is why we uh, uh, look one way on a Sunday morning and look a different way on a Monday morning. This is why we have uh, such horrible struggles with our thought life or horrible struggles with our temper or horrible struggles, struggles with the words that come out of our mouths or sometimes with the things we put in our bodies that we know aren't right. This is why we have so little control, so little victory. It's because there's no cross. The, the cross is absent. We've, we've left the cross. We've left it behind. We got saved, no question there, but we're, we're not doing it right. It, it, it's like we grew wings as eagles when we got saved and then we gave them up and now we're just walking on the earth. We're, we're not r- mounting up with wings as, as eagles anymore. There's no cross. Um, we see that Paul's preaching had to do with the cross. Let's look at Paul's opinion of the cross. Turn to the right to Galatians. Again, after 2 Corinthians, Galatians, and uh, chapter 2. Galatians, chapter 2. Paul, what is your opinion of the cross? What do you think about the cross in the Christian life? Do we still need it? I think Paul would say, yes, we do. Can't live without it. Look at chapter 2 and verse 20. Read it out loud with me, please. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Look at it again. I am crucified. I am crucified. I am crucified. There's the place of the cross in the Christian life. Not only at the beginning of the Christian life, but all through the Christian life. And we lose sight of that. Somehow we've bought into this this half-truth that the cross is, is good for salvation, but 
from there on in, you got to use your wits. You got to, you know, be clever and, you know, just, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. No, no, no. Uh, folks, this world is not our home. Our citizenship is up in heaven. Praise the Lord. We are passing through this world on our way to heaven with a job to do, I might add. And as we look at the scriptures, we find that there's a great place of the cross in the Christian life, present tense. This is how we got saved, was we came by the way of the cross. That's how we got saved, folks. Uh, no one, no one, no one can get to heaven bypassing the cross. That's the way to, to salvation. But the way to victory is to take up the cross daily. That's the way to victory. And we forget that, don't we? We go from spirit to flesh. We go from faith to sight. What a mistake we make. Our fellowship with Jesus, our fellowship with the Father, our fellowship, yea, with the Holy Spirit is only truly found in the cross. The cross has tremendous value and significance and power in your life and mine if only we would use it, if only we would take it up daily. Therefore, we need to start living in the cross. Stop living in this present world, so to speak, and start living in the cross. Tomorrow is Monday. How will you live the, your life tomorrow? May I suggest when you wake up, you start living in the cross. I'm not telling anyone to go and get rough lumber and hammer and nails and make themselves some kind of old rugged cross and drag that thing around. I'm not suggesting that at all. Don't do that. That's not what Jesus is meaning. That's not what I am meaning. But you and I must learn to live a different way than the way we're living. We must learn to live every day in the cross. Now, when Jesus started when he said those words back in Matthew 16, 24. He said, take up your cross, take up thy cross, follow me. Remember what we read before. He started to teach his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and be crucified. Remember that? That was right before verse 24. The, the cross, he was talking about the cross. The cross is a death sentence. You know what a death sentence is? You know what that is? Has the jury reached a verdict? Yes, Your Honor. We, the jury, find the defendant incredibly guilty and uh, worthy of death. The judge then, to make a long story short, he says... The defendant, please rise. You are condemned to hang by the neck until you are dead. That's a death sentence. And you're carried away to prison. You sit there on death row until your day comes. Canada gave up the death penalty many years ago. Funny how the murder rate went up after that. But that's for another sermon. The cross is a death sentence. That's what it is. It's a death sentence. You know, it's pretty hard to hurt a dead man. You can say horrible things to him, you won't hurt his feelings. You could strike him, he won't feel it. Because he's dead to you. He's dead to this world. And you and I, if we're going to have victory in Jesus, we need to start learning how to use the cross. 
as you and I start learning how to use the cross, we are going to defeat the devil at his own game. The world will have no hold upon us. The sparkle and tinsel town of this world will mean nothing to us. And the temptations of the flesh will die. That's the power of the cross. Now, I'll be honest with you, there are some Christians that don't want to live in the cross. They're glad they're saved. They love the Lord, but man, they want to boogie. They want to get out and do their thing. They want to go and make a million dollars. They want to go and find a girl or find a guy or, or uh, you know, climb a mountain or they want to do this, that, and the other thing. They don't want to live with a death sentence over them. Well, that is probably true of many Christians. But Christians that learn to love the Lord more and more. And listen, maybe it just is going to take years for some Christians to grow up and grow out of some of the worldliness and realize that Jesus is who it's all about. And this world is so at enmity with God. It is not the friend of God. We're saved out of the world. Not so we can get into the world and see how close to the world we can get. We want to get away from the world. Problem is, the world has a hold on us. It has its, its grippers around our throat. How do we get victory? It's through the cross. Same way we got saved. The value of the cross in the Christian life. And we see that the Lord Jesus is not done with the cross yet. We see that our fellowship with God is really only found in the cross. And as you daily take up your cross, you're taking a death sentence upon you. You realize, and you know this, I'll just remind you of it, we have no guarantee on tomorrow. You know that. Driving to the picnic tomorrow morning, someone might veer off the road, their side of the road, and careen right into you, and you may be dead tomorrow at 11 o'clock in the morning. You may die. We have no guarantee on tomorrow. You may, you may suffer a brain aneurysm during the night. You may contract a disease or something that you never thought you'd get. It happens to other people, but it never happened to you. It could happen to you. We have no guarantee on these things. You know, it's better to live in the cross because then there's no fear. See, the devil's got nothing to really grab you by. If you're always afraid that uh, the traffic coming toward you is going to veer and kill you, you just start taking up the cross and die. You're, you're, you're living under that death sentence. You know, it's all right. It's okay. If I close my eyes in this life, I'll open my eyes with Jesus. It's okay. Hey, look, your buddy's got promoted. Your buddy over here got a raise and you got nothing. It's okay. It's all right. The Lord is my boss and he'll meet my needs. He knows my needs. He'll look after me. You know, if my buddy got a raise, he got a promotion, good for him. Happy for him. You know, but it doesn't, it doesn't pull me to pieces. Why? Because I've taken up my cross and I'm following him. You see, the cross has tremendous value for you and for me. The cross is the instrument of death. Listen to this, even humiliating death. It's what Jesus chose. And listen, it's what he asks you and I to choose also. Take up thy cross. Daily take up your cross. Daily carry a death sentence upon you. Listen to this. Here's a challenge I put out to you for tomorrow. Wake up in the morning and keep the cross in mind throughout the day. 
and you will find your best fellowship with God you've ever had in your life. You'll say, man alive, I haven't had this much joy in the Lord and fellowship with Jesus since the day I got saved. That's because the day you got saved, you came by the way of the cross, didn't you? What happened? We set it down or we walked from it. This is our secret weapon, folks. It's something the world wants nothing to do with. And praise the Lord, we do. You know, you walk into these Christian bookstores and King James Bibles don't sell, so they mark them down in price. Ha <laughs> ha, praise the Lord. Yeah. The world wants nothing to do with the cross. That's all right. We do. It's our secret. It's our secret. That's why the symbol of the cross has represented Christ and victory and victory over death and victory over the world and victory over the flesh and victory over the devil. Wow. Now, you're still there in Galatians? L look at chapter 5. Look at verse 24. Verse 24, 5 and 24. Read it out loud together with me, please. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. See, there's the cross. That we got to go find that cross. We got to pick that thing back up. We've got to take that death sentence upon us if we're going to follow Jesus. Now look in chapter 6, Galatians, chapter 6, and look at verse 14. Let's read it out. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The value of the cross in the Christian life. If you're anything like me, you've got a short memory when it comes to picking up the cross daily. And I got to keep reminding myself and I got to keep repenting and going back to my Savior and say, I'm sorry, Savior, you told me to pick it up and I forgot today. Would you forgive me? I have come by the way of the cross. It's nothing that I've done. It's the blood of God's Son. I have come by the way of the cross. You know that song. Well, it's very true for your Christian life. And if you want to get God's power and victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil, you've got to get serious with the cross. There you are, Christian, standing there looking at that cross, and maybe I want you to, to look at it right there. Can you see the cross on the front of that pulpit? Can you see it? Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. You're there looking at it. Well, pastor said that Jesus said that I'm to take up that cross and follow Jesus. Now that cross is an instrument of death, humiliating death. That cross is a death sentence. That means death to my life here on earth. That means my dreams and fantasies. That means my secret desires for things. Uh, they are to die. That means also my fears. That means also my struggles and my hang-ups. You know, some people, they, they want to die to get away from their problems. Well, you don't have to physically die to get away from your problems. What you need to do is spiritually, you need to take up your cross. And then you'll get victory over your problems, your hang-ups, your fears, your lusts and your sins and your outbursts 
and your failings and so on. Take up the cross. That's the secret. The early Christians, they were weak like you and me. They were normal flesh and blood people just like us here tonight. And they learned to take up the cross. And it made champions out of them. And many of them had to suffer arrest and imprisonment. Many of them were dragged into arenas and thrown to the lions to provide sport and game for some of the the Roman emperors. Other believers, other Christian men, women, and young people were taken and tied with ropes and chains to wooden stakes. Buckets of tar were poured over their head and they were set on fire to provide light for the games at night, for Nero's games in the Colosseum. These horrible atrocities. How could they ever go through it? Many Christians in Rome, the early days of Rome, they were forced underground to the, the tombs, the catacombs, the tunnels down beneath the city. And many lived and died down there. And excavators, years later, found their entombed bodies in the walls where other believers were there and they would bury their, their loved ones in the walls and so on. But they found the, the Latin word vita, vita, life, life, life. They found these words inscribed on the, the wall. How did they get such victory? It was through the cross. Through the cross. You have an opportunity tonight to take up the cross. In just a moment, we're going to bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. And if you feel you've failed the Lord in taking up the cross, you need to confess that to Him tonight. And admit what He already knows about you. And ask His forgiveness and ask His help to take up the cross daily. You don't have to wait till tomorrow morning. You can take up your cross tonight. It's a communion service tonight. Don't you think it would be a great time to honor the Lord, to do something that would make Him happy, and obey His command to take up our cross. Let's bow our